Hi, welcome to Two Towns Over. This show was made possible by our patrons, so if you would like to support us, we're at patreon.com slash twotownsover. If you can't afford monetary donations, we are also at facebook.com slash ttopod. If you would share us around and give us five-star ratings on whatever podcast you're into, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. If living in the 80s taught me anything, if it's bad, it must be Satan. I thought that could have been prime intro material, man. I'm telling you, my vibe is fucking off. You could have started at any time in that, and it would have been fine. It's fine. I know. It's I know. okay. I'm, I understand I'm... vibes being what they are. It's it's a weird vibes day. It's it just is. a weird it's a vibes weird day. day. And I just... Uh... There's not enough sound in this room. Maybe that's what it is. So welcome, everybody. Do we need some mood music for when we record? <laughs> White noise. White noise. A fan. You're just on top of me about having a fan in here, but I feel like it'll fuck with the audio quality. We've had a fan in here before it didn't fuck with the audio quality. It's, I just want to make your editing job easier. <sighs> <laughs> I... Suffer suffer now for ease later. <laughs> mm. All right. In everybody. my experience, it's suffer now, suffer later. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to what will at least for now be the final episode on the west memphis three uh welcome to two towns over satanic sundays uh this is part eight of the west memphis three (laughs) is it really i believe so i think it's seven maybe seven part seven dropped today yeah so it's part eight fuck yep holy shit yep i think we might survive (laughs) it's not a guarantee Today's not as bad as the others have have been. Well, because we're talking about some That's, small okay. amount of justice yeah. occurring. But Don, you're thinking of it as individual blows weeks apart. It is not that. <laughs> it is literally, this is the last punch that Mike Tyson has been throttling us with for a month. <laughs> like, for two months. Two months. So, like... Two months of this, we've been dealing with just hammer that blow after fucking, fucking hammer blow. Each one harder than the last. We don't have much stamina left. If this was Mike Tyson's punch out, we could throw one punch and faint. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to point out, we weren't supposed to do the West Memphis 3 now. It was supposed to be later, but somebody didn't have their script ready, so... I... Had reasons. I had my fucking reasons. I know, but... Hammer blow after hammer blow. <laughs> like, so this week we are going to talk about the the outcomes almost 30 years later. Oh, 20 years, I guess, because it was 2011 when they were released. So a little over 20, almost 20 years. 18 yeah. years, I believe, is what it ended up being. Was it 93 to 2011? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, 94. 
94 because that's when they were yeah 93 is when the the murders happened 94 was when they were convicted mm. and well, but they were initially arrested in 93 93 yeah so. the trials were in 94 that's, so yeah that's, i was i was thinking of the of the actual date that they went to prison so 94 is what okay. i was looking for Gosh, you see, I, I was just thinking total incarceration whether mm-hmm. it was in prison or being held in the county jail that's you know freedom taken away for yeah. that many years so attorneys for Miss Kelly Baldwin and Eccles each filed appeals to the Arkansas Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court issued a unanimous opinion on February 19th, 1996, upholding Jesse's conviction. Ten months later... and Also, new- that's another clue that I never mentioned. If the cops say you are a suspect and then they put you in jail, you are not just a suspect. You are the fucking suspect. Yeah. They think you did it. Yes. Right. Whether you did or not, they think you did. Because they're not going to hold you in jail if they, if it's that, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not a flight risk, which these boys clearly weren't, because if they were even, what's the one that, the, the one that's probably on the spectrum, Jesse? Jesse. Um, even, like, him, I'll give a pass. But, like, Damien and Jan- Jason. 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 I almost said James. Damien and Jason were of average intelligence and they should have known that they they could have run. You know what I'm saying? They had right. ample opportunity and the brain power to to deduce that. Easier to get away in the 90s too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they didn't because there weren't a, they weren't a flight risks. Right. So like if they don't think you did it but you are still a suspect, they'll let you stay at home. They'll just ask you to come in for interviews or they'll come yeah. interview you. Like right. Ooh, excuse me. When they take you to the jail, it's fucking over from your perspective. Yeah, Truly. yeah, yeah. Once once they put you in cuffs and read you your rights, uh, as far as they're concerned, you did it. So ten months later, in a ninety-three page opinion, the seven justices unanimously unanimously upheld the convictions of Baldwin and Eccles. But that was far from the end of the controversy surrounding the convictions of what people began calling the West Memphis Three. Hey, wait. You're Don. Oh, hi, I'm Don. Fucking hell. God damn it. I'm <laughs> a rambunctious marmoset. And I am a randomly generated Xbox gamer tag. Nice. Thanks. Harry Nipples 37. Got it. <laughs> Wet grape 229. <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> In 1996, HBO aired the documentary called Paradise Lost, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hills. The film, with a soundtrack by Metallica, which was very, very rare at the time. I actually didn't know that. I think you may have mentioned that to me before, but that's wild, actually. It was the only, I mean, they they allowed, I mean, for the most part, the song Sanitarium played throughout the album. And then, um, I was going to say, Fade to Black. Oh, what? I was going to ask about the only two Metallica songs that anybody gives a shit about in 2023, which are uh, Master of Puppets and Nope, not even that one really. It's uh it's or Metallica is one, uh-huh, and Unforgiven, I do believe, are yeah. the two. Dude, the... fucking Flatbush Zombies sampled Unforgiven in one of their songs. Did they? Oh my god. God, yeah. And it's so wild. And to be clear, I fuck with Metallica. I have been a Metallica fan since I was able to appreciate metal music. Right. And I know metal fans, it's not real metal or whatever. Fuck you. They're literally called Metallica. Eat my ass. <laughs> like, but like, 
I fuck with Metallica, so I do like all the songs that you mentioned, but like the only two that people seem to care about now are those two. Well, and it's one because one was in Guitar Hero 3, Legends of Rock. And Apocalyptica did it and it ruled. Uh-huh. Well, Master of Puppets became huge last year because of... Fortnite! Uh, no, because of Stranger Things. Oh. That's why. That's right. I wondered why they I put that shit in Fortnite. Yeah. Also, we got to do our quest, bro. We got so many Dude, weeks. I've I've played a couple of games over the past few days, but he's cheating on you. What? He's no, playing Fort- the game there's without an, you. Hey, there's enough Fortnite to go around. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's, I've done so poorly. I think I've had two months worth of subscriptions. I might have a shitload of V-Bucks. I got on, and I played, like, four games, and then I looked, and I'm like, oh, I have, like, $30 worth of V-Bucks. Yeah. (laughs) Because I've been subscribed and not For this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So the film depicted West Memphis as a hellhole with residents blinded. Which by- is honestly the the peak. It's peak. I don't want to hear this, but this is this is <laughs> that's peak. That's that's what you want, really. Yeah, uh-huh. is you want to get back on and have a shitload of V bucks so you can a buy really cool good shit. New Goku skin is there? Like yeah, it's uh, Goku Black. <gasps> uh huh. You know I got a rep. He's got he's got the scythe. No shit. Uh huh. Okay. 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 Go on, Don. <laughs> We got to play tonight, dude. All right, all right, all right, yeah. all right, all right. So the film depicted West Memphis as a hellhole with residents blinded by fantasies of a satanic cult and jurors unable to sort facts out out of ration, to sort facts out rationally. The film spawned a movement and soon a website dedicated to gaining the release of the West Memphis 3, uh, wm3.org was established. The film also led to a marriage. Lori Davis, a landscape architect, began communicating with Damien Eccles after seeing the film in New York City. Oh. In December of 1999, Davis and Eccles married in a Buddhist ceremony performed at the Maximum Security Prison. That's fucking wild. Yeah. That's maybe the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. No, it's not, because Manson got married. Oh, several times. Like, three times. Yeah. So, like... Even again towards the end when he was like in his 80s. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it has nothing to do with who he is at that point. It's all about what he is. Yep. Yeah. Which is the boogeyman, effectively. Mm-hmm. And he didn't actually do. Uh, uh, I know. Different, different story. D- for another day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So concerns that the West I Memphis. I wish it was today. <laughs> concerns that the West Memphis Three might have been wrongly convicted. <laughs> Uh, continued to grow following the release in March of 2000 of the film Paradise Lost 2, Revelations. They or, called it Revelations. They called it Revelations. That's the second Matrix movie. Yeah. It is. That's, That's hilarious. hilarious. Revolutions. Is it yeah. Revolutions or Revelations? Isn't one of them Revelations? There's Assassin's Creed Revelation. That's maybe what I'm thinking of. What is it? Matrix, Matrix Revolutions. Revolutions and Matrix Reloaded. Reloaded? Was it Reloaded? I think, it, I think Revolutions was the third one. Reloaded was the second. second one. You're right. And then the newest one is Resurrection. That's, I, I have the box set downstairs. So. We, we gotta watch them. <laughs> so We the, need a vacation just so we can do all the things we've said. We're gonna do... <gasps> Yeah, we're gonna do the bonus content. I'm actually excited about it. It's now. We're, can we? It's just, a Keanu Reeves. I was podcast, gonna say. Baby! I was gonna do all Keanu Reeves. Hell podcast. yeah, bitch! Fuck yes. Okay, patrons get hype for get hype for the Keanu cast. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> TM 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 or whatever. Like two, two Keanu's over. Ah! <laughs> Into the Keanu verse. Anyway. 
Uh, that also means we get to watch Bill and Ted. Yeah, duh. I've never seen them, and I want to. <gasps> Seriously? Yeah, bud. You've met my parents. You know them. Dude, they are way too nerdy for that shit. I don't even... Too nerdy for Bill and Ted? Don, you misunderstand. You are a nerd in the same vein that I am a nerd. My father is a nerd. He... Listen... My father is 61 years old, and he knows more about coding than people who are going to college for it right now. So That's the kind an of nerd. intellectual nerd. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. Which is sense. where I get that part of me from. But, like, he he's re- – yeah. Yep. <laughs> so uh, – I don't even smoke anymore, but when we watch Bill and Ted, I will get fucking blasted. It's crazy, you. too, because he loved Mel Brooks. He loves Mel Brooks. Like, so we watched – History of the World Part 1, fucking Robin Hood Men in Tights. God, I love Men in Tights. Uh, my favorite one, Blazing Saddles. Yep. Like, over and over and over again, because he fucking loved them, but he loved them because of the trivia that he knew about them. <laughs> that is the best part about Mel Brooks movies, actually, yeah. is all the trivia that you can know about a Mel Brooks movie. I can't find it. So if somebody can find it, fucking literally send me a link. There are versions of those movies that they would play that we would watch on vacation when we had like on demand and shit like uh-huh. that, um, where they it was literally just the unedited movie would play and and little fact boxes would pop up with trivia. Dude, they it, did those for Austin Powers. It's too, maybe the the best way to watch a movie that you've seen ten times. Okay. Anyway, I'm sorry. Very long tangent over. <laughs> so I, I I just want to point out, I've mentioned it a couple times, and the reason why I stopped with the Mara Leverett book is because at that time period, it was very strongly believed that John Mark Byers actually did it. Because sure. John Mark Byers, if you watch the Paradise Lost movies, you will see that he is a very... Shifty motherfucker? No, he's very outspoken. He's a, he's, he's a performance, ah. basically. And, um, but he had a brain tumor. persona. Right. He had a brain tumor. He's the, the stepdad? He's the stepdad of Christopher Byers. Okay. So he, so his behavior, like literally his behavior then was because of a brain tumor? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Um, he, um, he also, he had been arrested before he was a drug dealer. He was a drug informant for the West Memphis police department. But what made people start wondering is that there was a mark on Stevie Branch's eye, like Mm -hmm. right above his left eye, right eye, whatever, uh, that looked bell-shaped. So there was like an arch here, and then it went flat across. And people... Go ahead. And it doesn't people, matter. Just go ahead. I, it's one piece, but go ahead. People assumed <laughs> that it was from a belt buckle. Okay. When Paradise Lost 2 came out, that was when Dan Stidham had hired the forensic expert. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out that the way that the, the mark was is that it went on the top of the, the eye socket. And then when it went under the eye socket. If it was a belt buckle, it would not have made the undermark. Okay. So it became more believed that it was a bite mark, that somebody bit Stevie there. Oh. And they got a forensic odontologist. They took casts of Damien, Jason, and Jesse. None of the bite marks matched. At that time, um, John Mark Byers was the only parent who returned for Paradise Lost 2. All the other parents wanted nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. He came back, and he was kind of the focus of the second movie. 
So there was a lot of interviewing with him. And he actually went out to the woods where the boys' bodies were found mm -hmm. and did this whole speech about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, of and, course. And he actually set fire to the, the land. So, and um, when it started coming out about the bite marks, it was revealed that he had recently had all of his teeth pulled. So people were wondering, well, why did he get his teeth pulled? And he had multiple stories. One was that the medications he was on for his tumor caused his teeth to fall out. Right. Or yeah, that's usually from a lack of saliva. It'll cause your yeah. teeth to crumble in your um, head. Another one was that he got in a fight and his teeth got knocked out. So there was there was different stories, and so there was no way to get bites. So that became, uh, well, that's that proof, you know. People right. were doing exactly to him what they were doing, what people mm -hmm. did to Jason, Damien, and sure. Jesse. Sure, yeah, we'll just, yeah. I, I get why, but it's yeah. still not right. Right. And so that's why I didn't really focus too much on it in the main story. Okay. It's because it has been proven ever since. No, that's not what happened. Really? Okay. Yeah. So it has been unequivocally proven he he had, did not. Yeah. Aside from him being weird, no. Okay. I mean, it's literally the same thing with Damien. Right. So um, that's, that's a good perspective to have on that. I feel like... They, yep. Basically, yeah. they were trying to do the same thing that they did to right. Damien. So the Paradise Lost sequel was followed two years later with an exhaustive analysis of the case by Mara Leverett in her book, The Devil's Knot, which is what we used as our source material. Uh, like the filmmakers, Leverett argued that a miscarriage of justice occurred in the 1994 trials. In 2003... That's our argument as well, by the way. Uh -huh. yes. And here's where things start to take a turn. In 2003, Vicki Hutchison who had testified about att attending an ESBOT with Jesse and De Eccles, told a reporter for the Arkansas police that everything she had told the police a decade earlier was a lie. God damn it. Well, yeah. She reported that she felt compelled to cooperate with police out of fear that if she didn't, the police would take her son away. Oh, wow. Yes. So another bombshell fell. I do not rescind anything I said about oh, her. Oh, no, yeah. me either. Another bombshell fell in 2007 after DNA found that the crime scene was retested and none was I found. will add, that's just another fucked up thing the cops do. I Particularly in this story, it's another fucked up thing that the West Memphis Police Department did. Fucking insane. Absolutely reprehensible. Yep. So none of the DNA found at the crime scene matched Eccles, Baldwin, or Miss Kelly. However, a hair that yeah. However, a hair found in a knot used to tie up one of the victims was, however, found to be quote not inconsistent with Terry Hobbs, the stepfather to Stevie Branch. Now, on the basis of the new evidence, Mark Byers told reporters that he now believed the three young men convicted were innocent. So, um, this is a. Uh statistic that I vaguely remember, so the numbers aren't right, but it's mm -hmm. like the spirit of it is correct. It is something like like your DNA strands are unique. They are not as unique as you think they are. Right. No. It was it was consistent with one point five percent of the population. Exactly. Which so. means one point five percent of the population means out of every one hundred people, one and a half of them will have the same are very similar DNA, right. regardless of their relationship. However, which means out of every 200 people, that's three people. Right. So, like, it's not a lot. It's a small percentage. Yeah. But it's a significant one. 
but it's also more significant than the microscopically similar fibers that were found that were definitely that oh for sure so it's but, but at the same time people people who play people who like it to play the video game know that 1.5 percent is way fucking more than you think it is <laughs> yep but that's one of the things yeah i'm not going to get into the guilty stuff so the new dna evidence i know you're what i'm be... saying is it's like likely that it was his hair it does not mean that it was right definitively and it does not mean technically that and this is one of the things the guilters say that that put him there at the crime scene right right it means that some because stevie would visit michael moore's house all the time michael yeah. moore would visit stevie's house all mm-hmm. the time it could have been what's the word Cross, not cross contaminated. Cross contaminated. Transference. Transference. Yeah. Yeah. Cross. Yeah. Transference of DNA. It's effectively cross contaminating. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's thinking of it in like food service terms. Cross contamination. For for my, for so the last thing I want to say about it, I guess, is that DNA evidence is really good about saying who wasn't there. Yeah. It is much less good than you think. About saying who was right, yeah. It is if if your shit does not match at the DNA scene, it wasn't there. If it does, you were probably fucking there. You might not have been. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, sorry. One last thing about because we were just talking about uh, Mr. Byers, right? And I, I have tried to avoid spoilers. For mm-hmm. as much of this as I could over the last two months, but I have had to Google things here and there just out of curiosity. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of people from like old posts and forums that were talking about how they think that buyers did it. Right. Uh, the other one that I saw, and I don't know if I'm jumping ahead of you, so stop me if you're going to get to this later, was that a lot of people seem convinced that Terry Hobbs was the real murderer. Okay. I'm going to get there. In gotcha, fact, I'm gotcha. about to get there. Perfect. Okay. So, I, I did, in fact, Josh, you got it. Now, I know this is going to come as a surprise, but the new DNA evidence failed to convince Judge Burnett that a new trial for any of the West Memphis Three was justified. Fucking string him up. And I need to point out a couple things I found out because I went and researched David Burnett. Apparently, he did serve as a senator in, in Arkansas for a while, and he was a Democrat. Okay. Yeah, they do well, that. Well, no, usually the, the type of people he was, you don't you picture him as a Democrat. And he also tried to get the death penalty um, abolished in Arkansas. I don't but, give a fuck what well, his policies were. Either way, it, I didn't... Very I mean, compelling. Listen, Please face the wall. Listen, everybody can grow. He, d- no matter what good policies he may have enacted, he did not do enough to atone for this. Yeah. And uh, I forgot to say, he was actually in charge of all of the appeals cases, uh, trials. You said that before. Oh, did I? Yeah. I don't remember when, but I I remember that specifically. Yeah, I think you said it last week, actually. It was way before that because I've known it for weeks. Uh. Yeah. I think it was in the, literally the first or second episode when you started describing him. Yeah. You mentioned that one of the reasons that they didn't get the appeals that they wanted or needed was because it was the same judge. Right. Okay. Um, and I just really think that is such a, that's just a, an actual miscarriage of justice. So all the, all three attorneys appealed Burnett's decision to the Arkansas Supreme court. Now Eccles stood sentenced to death and Baldwin and Miss Kelly had been sentenced to life in prison. 
Far from laying the matter to rest and granting peace to the families involved, though, the sorry investigation and cynical trials have left a record that now presents the Arkansas Supreme Court with the uncomfortable choice of either either to order a new trial for Eccles and Baldwin or not. Either either option presents thorny problems for those in power or presented. I forgot what I was using kind of came from a modern day or back then. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I know that they thought it did. But it doesn't matter because your job is literally called a justice. Yeah. If right. you need you need to embody that fucking concept. If you're gonna call yourself justice, you need to be it. So lawyers for Eccles have raised several serious And that's on one piece. <laughs> lawyers for Eccles have raised several serious issues in their final state appeal. One of the claims that Shouts the justices, out Captain Smoker, anyway. One of the claims that the justices of the Arkansas Supreme Court had to examine most most seriously was the allegation of jury misconduct striking at the very heart of the verdict against Eccles and Baldwin. Sorry, Vice Admiral Smoker, I forgot. In one of the many instances in which the role of supporters of the West Memphis Three have been crucial, Brent Peterson and Cappy Peck, co-founders of the group Arkansas's Take Action, invited several Little Rock lawyers to a local restaurant a few years ago, or back in earlier 2000s, uh, to discuss what might be done to press state officials to grant new trials. During the discussion, one of the invited attorneys mentioned that another Little Rock lawyer... When are we? Uh, this is probably like 2009, 2010. Okay. Uh, when was Twitter? I don't know. Ooh. Nor do I care. I think it was 2014. Something like that. No. 2012, I think, but took off in 2014. Uh, you may be right. This might be pre-Twitter. Is what I'm getting at. So one Holy of the, shit. What? 2006. No fucking way. When, but when was Twitter <laughs> made live online? 2006. Mm-hmm. So Wow. During, wow. So during the discussion, one of the invited attorneys mentioned that another Little Rock lawyer had told her that he'd received regular calls from the foreman of the Eccles Baldwin jury while the trial was in session. Oh, come on. Yeah. He'd re- I'm sorry, what? Another lawyer told them that he had received, or that another lawyer had, Little Rock lawyer had told her that he'd received regular calls from the foreman of the Eccles Baldwin jury while the trial was in session. That's What does that mean? That means the foreman of the jury was contacting a lawyer about the trial during the trial. That alone is basis for the entire conviction to be thrown out. Right. That's super illegal. Yeah. That's literally rule one of being a juror, let alone being the jury four person. Right. Oh, it gets worse. We're about to go into the story here. So this information was passed on to the attorney's representing Eccles and Baldwin, who then contacted the lawyer who... Everybody in this fucking state (laughs) fucked up. Yeah. Badly. Who then contacted the lawyer who'd received those calls, a former prosecuting attorney named Lloyd Warford. Warford, in turn, submitted a sworn affidavit, which was brought before the Arkansas Supreme Court. In that affidavit, Warford stated that he had entered private practice in 1993, the year of the West Memphis murders. The following year, he was hired by Kent Arnold, a businessman from Jonesboro, Arkansas, to defend Arnold's brother in a rape case. Soon thereafter, Kent Arnold was called as a potential juror in the trial of Eccles and Baldwin. Warford wrote that he doubted Arnold would be selected as a juror for several reasons. 
Arnold had a relative facing prosecution. He knew far too much about the case and quote, he seemed to have made up his mind. The defendants were guilty. According to Warford, Arnold had once told him all you had to know, all you had to do to know that Eccles was a devil worshiper was to look in his eyes and you knew he was evil. Warford was stunned, therefore, to learn that Arnold's had been selected not only to be a juror, but to be the jury's foreman also. Warford said that when he expressed his surprise to Arnold, Arnold laughed and made a joke about stupid lawyers and judges not asking specific questions. Wow. Warford declared that he told that he told Arnold that they could not talk about the case until it was over. Hey, what's his name? Arnold? Arnold. 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 Who? Kent Arnold. Kent Arnold. What you did, that's evil. Yeah. Just so that we're clear. This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features that Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com slash unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash unlimited. So, um, as in all the trials, the judge had admonished jurors at the start that they were not to discuss the proceedings outside the jury room. Despite that, Warford stated that Arnold continued to call him and make constant offhand comments or statements about the trial and his jury service. Eccles and Baldwin were tried separately from Miss Kelly because Miss Kelly had confessed. And Warford was a lawyer? Yes. And he did not? Report it? Apparently not at the time. Wow. Yeah, not much better. Not much fucking better. No. This is the worst jury I've actually heard about since I heard about the Casey Anthony jury. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, so, Eccles and Baldwin, we know, have been separately tried for Miss Kelly because Miss Kelly had confessed, although he had recanted his accusation and confession the day after making them. Miss Kelly refused to repeat what he'd said at the trial of Eccles and Baldwin. The Sixth Amendment to the Constitution requires that an accused person be allowed to face any accusers at trial. So if Miss Kelly would not accuse them in person, the accusation could not be used. Even the tape recording of his statement to police could not be played. Warford wrote, at one point, I remember Arnold saying something to the effect of, at least nine of us are ready to vote right now, and asked, why don't the prosecutors just play the Miss Kelly confession and get this over with? From the same constitutional re- for the same constitutional reasons forbidding use of the tape, even mentioning Miss Kelly's statement was inadmissible. Like we said last week, during the trial, one police officer did refer to the statement of Jesse Miss Kelly and his testimony. Lawyers for Eccles and Baldwin jumped to their feet and moved for a mistrial, but Judge Burnett denied the motion. Jesus. Instead, he merely cautioned the jurors to disregard the officer's statement. When the objection was raised in an early appeal, the Arkansas Supreme Court declined to reverse Burnett's ruling. Now, Warford continued, nevertheless, as the trial progressed, Kent Arnold's comments were increasingly critical of the prosecution. Eventually, Kent said this prosecutor had not done his job and that if the prosecution didn't come up with something powerful the next day, there was probably going to be an acquittal. At one point, I distinctly remember him saying, if anyone is going to convince this jury to convict, it's going to have to be me. Wow. Jesus fucking Christ. So Kent told me if the confession had not been mentioned in court, then he might not have been able to convince the swing jurors to convict. 
Wow. Yeah. If what? If if the guy the cop hadn't made the comment about Jesse's testimony, he wouldn't have been able to get the Jesus fucking Christ. Um, he said several times that he could not believe how many jurors had not been aware of Miss Kelly's confession until it was mentioned in court. Because they weren't fucking supposed to be. Right. So Warford. Holy had- shit. Yeah. How did you think this was not going to be bad? As bad. <laughs> like, that's worse. This is actually well. the worst part of all of it. Yeah. That's, because- that's so much worse because that's a literal conspiracy. Right. Fuck! But they against did. a teenager! You've got a fucking... That's evil! You've got a juror that's trying to play puppet master with the, the rest of the jury. Right. That's not cartoon evil. That's real world, nitty gritty, fucking ruining lives evil. It gets better because this is the section. After this, it's over. I promise. I promise. And there's a light at the end of this tunnel, as opposed to last week when there wasn't. Um, Warford's affidavit is supported by evidence found after the trial. Among the exhibits now before the Arkansas Supreme Court were a page from an easel pad made in the jury room that lists Miss Kelly's confession as a reason to convict. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do want to point out that the quote that, you know, Whatever it is, I'm going to paraphrase it here, but it's like all that's needed for evil to thrive is for good men to do nothing. Right. Warford, that's why that's still evil. Right. Yeah. Because if if it gets to the point, like you can, it is not my job as an everyday person to combat every single thing. But when I see evil, speaking about it is the very least we are obligated to do. Right. To stop it. That's really it. It's literally the easiest thing that you can do is bring a, try to bring awareness to it with other people. Right. Because it, you know, mind you, there's a lot of evil today that we talk about on the show a lot. We are too fucking tired and broken to do anything about it. But if we talk about it, maybe there's someone out there who has the amount of free time and resources that it might reach who can do something practical. Right. And that's literally the least that we can do. Right. So. Well. It's the least we're obligated to do. It is the most we can do right now. That's two different things right. that are similar, but they're not necessarily causally linked. No, you're like, right. You're right. That's that's a better way to phrase it. Like it's, it's more or less what I meant. Yeah. But like I haven't had a day off in like a month. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So speaking is the least is the most I can do, right. and even that's a lot sometimes. But like, you know what I mean? It's just you do the most you can do, and you try to do more than the least you are obligated to do. Right. That's really the secret. Sign a fucking... You know what's ah, right. I was going to say sign a fucking petition every now and then, but petitions never fucking... You know what's much. right. Just do that. Right. It's hard, but worth it. So among the exhibits bef- brought before the Arkansas Supreme Court was a page from an easel pad made in the jury room that lists Miss Kelly's confession as a reason to convict, and the notes kept by an individual juror that also cited Miss Kelly's confession. 
Finally, on November 4th, 2010, the defendants received the first good news. Now, that's just corruption. And corruption feeds into evil, but it is not necessarily evil itself. Like, those, those jurors were trying to do what they thought was right, but what they thought was right was being fed to them by evil people or people working in in league. I don't want to say that's too biblical, but like <laughs> people who are serving evil's agenda, let's mm-hmm. say, you know, like that's because that's how it works. Evil people don't necessarily always do evil. Yeah. People sometimes do evil. And evil does have an agenda and its agenda is suffering and injustice. And if you're serving those things, that makes you evil right now. You can stop whenever you want. Mm-hmm. So on November 4th, 2010, the Arkansas Supreme Court announced an opinion ordering the trial court to reconsider whether newly discovered DNA evidence or new evidence of juror misconduct in the original trials justified ordering a new trial or exoneration of the three defendants. And if you, And if you're like, oh... I'm not evil, even though I'm a bully or I'm doing shit like the people in this trial were doing to these kids. Mm-hmm. I'm a victim of evil. That's why. Well, hurt people hurt people. And like you have to choose to stop doing that before you can get better. Right. You have to. Because if you don't, you'll never get better because you'll watch yourself your whole life feeding into the cycle of violence and evil and injustice that you hate. So stop. Yep. Find the way to change or get out of the situation you're in. It's possible. It's not easy. It's possible. So prosecutors, aghast at the prospect of retrying the trial, uh, retrying the case. Step one, admit there's a problem. Step two, ask for help. Don't be too ashamed to do that. Prosecutors aghast at the prospect of retrying the case scrambled. And they came to the decision to offer what is called an Alford plea. Yeah, here it is. So what the Alford plea is, is a plea (laughs) where you plead guilty, but maintain your innocence. So in his book published in 2012, Life After Death, Damien Eccles described his feelings in August of 2012 as he waited the waited for word to, as to whether Jason Baldwin would agree to enter an Alford plea in a deal with the state that would result in the release of the West Memphis Three. He wrote, the prosecutors wanted all three of us, Jesse, Jason, and me, to take the deal or there would be no deal. Over the years, Jason had grown to love prison. His circumstances were not the same as mine. He had a job. He had befriended, befriended the guards and was actually looking forward to next year in prison school. Jason has also said previously that he wasn't willing to concede anything to the prosecutors. I understand that with all my heart, and I knew he still believed he would be exonerated one day and walk freely through the prison gates. But the state was too corrupt to ever let that happen. Mm -hmm. I was trapped in a nightmare, chained to someone I couldn't communicate with. I paced back and forth in my prison cell, two steps to the door and then two steps back. Over and over and over I paced at all hours of the day, at all hours of the day and night. I couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, couldn't read, couldn't even sit still. I wept, I cursed, I raged. To see home so close and yet still beyond my reach was pain beyond articulation. Jason stated in an interview with NPR, 
Well, the only reason that I took the deal was to save Damien. That was the only thing offered to me by the state after having to spend 18 years there in prison for a crime I didn't commit. Can you read his the first part of his quote again? Damien's? What, what, where no. He, J- Jason's. The only reason I took the deal was to save Damien. What a hero. That that right there, that's heroic. Yes. Yeah. Because he he had said that he wouldn't concede anything to That's the prosecution humble in a and literal then, hero, like a greek heroism way. right even even so even though he was staying so hard by that principle yeah of his yeah they he knew that his friend who he had not been able to speak to in years, years yeah over a decade almost two he knew his friend was suffering right and Endless. so he and so he and he said i am the linchpin in him in his suffering stopping right and so he said i will give right um i was willing to stay a little longer to fight the good fight to go to trials i have wonderful attorneys now who have been well funded for dna testing and other forensic technology testing uh be done and things like that so i was very confident in them and their capabilities and you were ready to go to trial and fight the case and win our freedom in the way things are supposed to be done. But I hate to ask Damien to spend one more day in that place where he was at. And in fact, I turned a deal down at first, but I was told Jesse had taken the deal, Damien had taken the deal, and the only way the deal would be good is if all three of us took the deal. The state- Which is fucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The state is, was not going to permit me to continue. Especially when they didn't try all three of them at the same time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The state was not going to permit me to continue fighting the charges there and fight and eventually win the trial and sue them for wrongful commission. That's not what they wanted. They knew this upcoming evidentiary hearing was going to be egg in their face. You know what's crazy? You know, no, not crazy. What's even more fucking evil is that the only reason this happened is because at least one of them had good lawyers and they Uh knew that they could not keep it like hush hush anymore. Right. So what they did instead was they said, "All right, all right, all right, we'll let you out, but you have to say you're that we're right." Right. Right. Exactly. And as a result, because they took an Alfred plea, they cannot sue the state. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is yeah. like we you have to say legally we are correct, right. but mm-hmm. that you are maintaining your inner innocence. Right. Right. So. There's a similar thing. I was thinking about it. Uh, it's just a final fucking slap in the face. Right. Uh, I have been rewatching uh, The Boys on Amazon. Um, and there is a, a part in the beginning where a superhero uh, accidentally kills a woman. And the, the main character, uh, the woman's boyfriend, holds this insane grudge against him. And at one point demands an apology. Superheroes are all, like, they're all image and legal. And it's it's a corporation that owns all the superheroes. And so... It's a show about the Me Too movement, basically. Mm, not really. Kinda. It's, it's a show about all movements like it. It's yeah. that your heroes are not, are not your heroes. And why I said Me Too is because that specific one, the front of it, like the momentum of it mm-hmm. was celebrities w- and women That's surrounding true. celebrities 
exposing those celebrities for the evil people that they were. Sure. Okay. That's yeah. That makes sense. Um, but there's the scene where uh, Huey, the main character, um, is demanding an apology from the superhero that killed his girlfriend. And like before the superhero even comes into the room, uh, a lawyer comes in first and he's like, just to clarify any uh, apology that comes from a train is not an admission of guilt or basically he makes it a reverse Alfred plea where he's allowed to say, I did it. I'm sorry, but not be at fault at all. Yeah, it, it's just kind of a similar thing yeah. to me where they basically come in and say, so the apology you're about to hear is bullshit. Uh huh. Yep. And you just have to take that. Yep. So Jason finally agreed to the deal at a hearing on August 19th, 2011. Judge David Laser, having replaced David Burnett on the case, called what happened a tragedy on all sides. And then Jesse Miss Kelly, Jason Baldwin and Damian Eccles walked free. Now, a documentary... Say, say that again. I'm sorry. I was still thinking about the boys. David, That's on ADHD. I'm sorry. Judge David Laser, who replaced Judge Burnett on the case, called what happened a tragedy on all sides. Okay. And then Jesse, Jason, and Damien walked free. Yeah, okay. So a documentary film about the 1993 killings called West of Memphis... He's like that one cop who did his job once. Yeah. Uh-huh. A film paid for and produced by well-known director Peter Jackson... Released in 2012. I didn't know that Peter Jackson did that. Yeah. Holy shit. They had like massive celebrity backing. It was the most Peter Jackson, Johnny Depp, Eddie Vedder. Yeah. uh, Henry Rollins. Of course, Henry Rollins. And um, (laughs) fuck. I can't remember. I think there was one. Oh, uh, Natalie Maines from the Dixie Chicks. From the Dixie Chicks? What? Or the Chicks now. I missed it again. Yeah, the lead singer of the Dixie Chicks. The 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 celebrity endorsements that yeah, the, the West Memphis Three who had, were, basically. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. But like fucking Eddie Vedder was in the the audience the day that they read their Alfred plea. Of he course. was sitting next to Damien's wife. Of course Eddie Vedder was fucking there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, so the I f- fuck with Pearl Jam, but goddamn Eddie. Come on, man. <laughs> like, so West of Memphis released in two thousand twelve strongly suggested that Terry Hobbs Stepfather's victim, Stevie Branch, participated in the murders of the three boys. Yeah, this is the part that I've been excited yeah. to hear about because I haven't looked into it at all, but right. I have seen a lot of people who were very convinced that Terry Hobbs may have been the real murderer. Now, again, I have to point out, this is just the evidence as it was. I'm not saying Terry Hobbs did it. Sure. I want to get that clear. I, I'm not going to do what they did to Damien and them. Our right. show, Two Towns Over, is not say we're not accusing anyone of anything right i may say things that sound (laughs) like i am accusing people of things officially i'm super not doing that right Right. that's disclaimer hyperbole or whatever disclaimer anything said here uh, not not legal it's not we're entertainment. It's, these are all opinions. So the filmmakers noticed that the, noted that the most significant piece of DNA evidence found at the crime scene, DNA and a hair found in one of the shoelaces used to tie up the boys, matched the DNA of Hobbs, as well as 1.5% of the population. I believe we've touched on that. Right. And that a second hair found on a tree stump near where the bodies were found matched that of David Jacoby, a friend of Hobbs. Now, the filmmakers also noted that Hobbs had a long history of abuse, including an admitted assault on his wife and accusations of child beating and assaults on neighbors. To this mix of circumstantial evidence, 
The filmmakers included an interview with an aunt of Stevie Branch, Joe Lynn McCoffey, who alleged that she saw Hobbs doing laundry the night of the murders, presumably to clean up the blood off his clothes after killing the boys in the woods. So says the filmmaker. Right. Now, the filmmaker also reported that a prized pocket knife owned by Stevie, one of his, one he almost always carried with him, was later found among Terry Hobbs's possessions. Finally, and perhaps most damningly, the filmmakers produced three young men who claimed to have been told by a nephew of Terry Hobbs that the fact that Terry killed the three boys was a closely guarded family secret. Now, now I have spoken very harshly about the testimony of children on both sides. I have always said, if your kid says something like that, uh-huh. fucking investigate it. Right. It might not be true, but you can't afford that. Well, especially when there are other small pieces of evidence that on their own do sort of point in a certain direction. That on their own don't necessarily give you, you know, an 11 out of 10 case. The thing but... that fucks me up is the fact that one of his friends' DNA was apparently nearby. Like, that's sussy as fuck. Uh-huh. So in 2013, another story of the West Memphis murders emerged in separate affidavits signed by Billy Wayne Stewart and Benny Guy. Sorry. And I'll say why, too. Because, yes, 1.5% is way higher than you fucking think it is. Yeah. And even if that other hair was also 1.5%, that goes... that the The chance that it's not two people who know each other is insane. And the chance that 1.5% of the population will know the same exact other 1.5% of the population that happened to be in West Memphis, Arkansas at the same right. time exactly. is insane. I, it's, I almost mentioned this before when we were talking about that, that 1.5%. Yeah. That's one and a half people per 100. What was the population of West Memphis, Arkansas? It was like 19,000. Because you don't need the population of the world right. for that sample size. You yeah. only need the population of that area code. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, and it. that's, that's one of the things that the guilters point out when they bring up, when people start bringing up Terry Hobbs is yeah, it's 1.5%, but that equals like over a million people. Okay. Yeah. Technically. But... Yeah. But those million people weren't in West Memphis, right. Arkansas, you stupid fuck. <laughs> yeah. So the level of detail and overall plausibility of the stories told in the affidavits made them seem highly credible, even if they do come from an admitted drug dealer and a convicted felon. This is what the story says. On May 5th, 1993, according to both Stewart and Guy, Terry Hobbs, David Jacoby, and two teenagers from a local trailer park, LG Hollingsworth and Buddy Lucas, uh, showed up at his West Memphis home looking to buy some pot, which Stewart provided. While Stewart sold the two boys the pot, he noticed Hobbs and Jacoby kissing in a pickup truck across the street. Now, according to Stewart, Hobbs was a bisexual with a preference for sex with young boys. This seems like too neat. Yeah. Hobbs, he stated, had invited his own 10-year-old son to pool parties, invitations which Stewart insisted his son decline. Now, what happened after Stewart sold the pot on May 5th was told to Stewart by Buddy Lucas in April of 1995. Getting back in the pickup truck, Hobbs, Jacoby, and the two boys drove around town smoking pot and drinking whiskey before heading down a dirt road by the Blue Beacon uh, Wood truck, walk, truck Blue Beacon truck stop. 
At that point, according to Lucas's account, Terry Hobbs asked the two teenagers to get out and wrestle while he and Jacoby watched. While Lucas does not specifically say the wrestling soon turned into sexual activity involving him, L.G. Hollingsworth and the two men, Stewart had no doubt that is what, uh, I'm sorry, involving him, L.G. Hollingsworth and the two men, Stewart had no doubt that is what happened, asserting in his affidavit that the lowered head and shame evident on the boy's face as he told the story made it clear there was more going on between the boys and the men than what Buddy had just told me. So he was how old? When he gave this account? Uh, he was a teenager. Teenager? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, he was giving the account from how long ago? Um, let's see here. Give me a second here. 2013. So it 2013 was when he gave when the he account. gave the account. Uh, but he was talking about this story happened... The night of the murders. The night of the murders. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, so, like... It's a relatively well-known thing that kids don't have the minds to make up a story like that. He's a teenager, so he did, but I don't think he did because, you know, yeah, you know, at first There's a huge said shame sounds... component in saying anything like that that I think would be, especially publicly, to people you don't know. Uh-huh. That... In a, in a nationally covered trial. Right. Yeah. You know, it's that's not something that you're going to be able to keep under wraps. And he still went out and told everyone that that happened. So, personal Josh from Two Towns Over opinion, uh, I think he was telling the truth. So, it was during this likely sexual activity that Chris Byers, Michael Moore, and Stevie Branch appeared on their bikes at the wrong place at the wrong time. Stewart says Lucas told him that Terry Hobbs screamed, Get them, little fuckers. While Jacoby beat one of the kids, Hobbs ordered Buddy and LG to pull off his pants. According to the Stewart affidavit, Mr. Hobbs walked over to the boy that Mr. Jacoby had been beating and repeatedly bit the boy's penis and scrotum, then cut the boy's genitals. Terry Hobbs then announced that other, the other two boys had to be killed because of what they had seen, and Hobbs and Jacoby proceeded to, just do, to do just that. The boys' clothes and bodies were gathered and dragged to the water, and their bikes were thrown into the bayou. Now, Benny Guy's affidavit tells a similar story. Guy start, stated that while Buddy, who Guy described as pretty bad slow, was staying in his home in 1994, he confessed his involvement in the killings. Guy said in his affidavit that L.G. Hollingsworth also confessed to participating in the murders while both he and L.G. were incarcerated in the Crittenden County Jail in 1995. Hollingsworth's confession added a, new, a few new details to that of Buddy's. Terry Hobbs and Hollingsworth's account became enraged after one of the boys began kicking him. Hobbs hit the boy in the head and shouted, I'm going to teach your fucking ass. Hollingsworth said that he, Buddy, and the two older men all participated in beating the three eight-year-old boys, and he confirmed Buddy's assertion that Hobbs ordered the two teens to take off the pants of the boys before cutting the genitals off of one of them with a knife. Now, in addition to Guy and Stewart, Count Pam Hicks, the former wife uh, of Terry Hobbs and the mother of Stevie Branch, among those convinced Hobbs murdered her son. Hicks launched a legal effort in March of 2013 to obtain additional evidence that might link Hobbs to the crime. Shockingly, according to Billy Stewart, when he tried to call West Memphis police investigator Bill Sanders in 1995 to tell him the story he had heard from Buddy Lucas, Sanders never even bothered to return his phone calls. Jesus Christ. 
If this allegation is true, and it certainly rings so, readers can de- or listeners can debate whether the decision which doomed three innocent young men to 16 more years in Arkansas's prisons or the murder in the Blue Beacon Woods was the greater tragedy. Crittenden County Circuit Court Judge Tanya Alexander uh, once denied a petition by Damien Eccles to have advanced DNA testing done on ligatures that were recovered in the 1993 murders of three eight, the three eight-year-old boys. Alexander told Eccles that since he was not in prison anymore, he could not seek relief in the form of DNA testing. Eccles' def- Eccles's defensive defense team uh, member Lonnie Sowry said the ruling was an incorrect interpretation of the law. There are consequences that a wrongful conviction brings to a defendant that go beyond incarceration and may have sought relief even after being released from prison, he added. Uh, He added, we are extremely disappointed in the judge's decision, which was based upon a narrow interpretation of the law and one that failed to allow justice to be served. All we asked for is the right to seek uh, to seek to identify the DNA of the real killers, killer or killers. We will certainly appeal the decision, and we are confident that the Arkansas Supreme Court will see it differently. The sad fact is that those responsible in the murders of the three children in 93 will breathe a sigh of relief now that the Arkansas is once again in their corner. Now, according to Arkansas's DNA statute, except when direct appeal is available, a person convicted of a crime may make a motion for the performance of DNA testing or other tests which may become available through advances in technology to demonstrate the person's actual innocence. Eccles asked prosecutors to test the ligatures two years ago. Now that was yeah. And the first time the state seemed read the first time the state seemed ready to allow the testing to move forward. But after prosecutor Scott Ellington was elected to a judge post, newly appointed prosecuting attorney Keith Crestman had told told talk business and politics in April of 2021, he would seek a judge's order to destroy the evidence. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Soon after prosecutors claimed the evidence had been lost or destroyed in a fire, but these claims proved untrue when in December of 2021, the evidence was found intact inside the West Memphis police department's evidence locker room. Why Jesus. it was claimed the evidence was destroyed or lost has never been explained. Oh, we I know. can explain it pretty <laughs> easily. So one hair found in the ligature, bore, bore, we've already said, bore, bleh, bore, oh my God. One hair found in the ligature that bound more was a genetic match for Branch's stepfather, Terry Hobbs, and another hair was a partial match to his alibi witness, David Jacoby. Hobbs is denied involvement in the crime, as has Jacoby. Uh, quick personal opinion thing. I did look up pictures mm-hmm. of what uh, David Jacoby and uh, Terry Hobbs look like. I think they're pedophiles. <laughs> so Jacoby had signed a sworn affidavit stating that he was not with Hobbs when the boys vanished. Hobbs told Talk Business and Politics several months ago that he didn't support DNA testing the ligatures and that he hoped a judge would order the evidence destroyed in the case. His reasoning was that he was tired of dealing with the quote West Memphis three and their supporters. Eccles wants to use the MVAC testing system. Swabbing with a cotton tip has been the gold standard for collecting DNA in criminal cases for many years. According to the FBI, the agency conducted an extensive research probe into MVAC testing and found in 2020 that it's on average 12 times more accurate than swabbing. And it's recommended using the, the method, if it's available. Now, MVAC uses a wet vacuum system. 
an item is vacuumed and the material collected is placed into a solution. The solution is removed and all the material, including any DNA, is collected by a filter that is then transferred to a lab for analysis. Now, prosecutors and defense attorneys settled on Alfred plea agreements after it became clear a new judge in the case was set to order the new trials among almost 11 years ago. Now, Ellington said at the time he would not have been able to bring those, these charges to court if new trials had been ordered. He said the evidence had grown, quote, stale and that several key witnesses in the original trials had now changed their stories and several admitted that they had told lies on the witness stand. Even after his release in 2011, Eccles said it took him years to recover from physical and emotional trauma of being on Arkansas's death row. His memories of that the time are vague, and it has taken him years to cope, he said. Damien Eccles now lives in Salem, Massachusetts with his wife, Lori. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, that's not helping. But Of course he does. No, he, he got out, and he wanted to get right back to living the best life that he knew how. And I he know. was like, I want to go live in Salem. I mean, it's kind of like on the nose, because he was a victim of... A yeah, witch that's hunt. the witch point. Hunt. Yeah. So yeah, al- although it won't- <laughs> the symbolism is rich. So although- sometimes you got to do some crazy shit to heal, dude. Like, <laughs> although it won't win him back twenty lost years and means constantly ripping wounds back open, Damien continues to fight for his exoneration. In his new life, he has gone paragliding in New Zealand with Peter Jackson. Nice, hey. nice. Uh, you say you got to do some crazy shit to heal. You mm-hmm. mean like uh, have your best friend come over and help you rearrange your entire living room for <laughs> four hours at midnight? That's not crazy, <laughs> buddy. Crazy would be literally you're like, all right, I've decided I'm going to become an astronaut. And then you do. Like, that's <laughs> that's like, why are you connecting these things in your mind? I don't get it. It's <laughs> like, I need to get as far away from her as possible, dude. Like, <laughs> it's I said, uh, we need to make my living room look like a space that I didn't spend three years in with my ex that's normal right that's pretty normal i was like i need to leave the planet that i shared with my ex (laughs) Uh uh-huh i'm gonna colonize mars baby (laughs) and then you do and And then then you you do do. yeah so he also became good friends with actor johnny depp in a 2000 fuck yeah dude (laughs) honestly maybe worth it yeah (laughs) well (laughs) 20 years on death row to hang out with jack sparrow Uh, i don't know yeah i'm gonna call it worth it in a 2013 article in Rolling Stone magazine, Depp said of Eccles, you expect a time bomb, but Damien's so kind and loving and open to the possibilities in the world. He's the strongest human being I've ever met. Jesse Miss Kelly is the one member of the West Memphis Three who has maintained a low profile since his release. He lives and works in West Memphis and is reluctant to talk to the media. Jason Baldwin, who taught classes to other inmates in prison, helped produce a feature film about the West Memphis case called Devil's Knot, uh, starring Reese Witherspoon as Pam Hicks and Colin Firth as Ron Lax. He says he'd like to work on behalf of the wrongly accused and hopes to attend law school. Life is getting better, Baldwin says. We all lived through this horrible time in our own way and got through it differently. So now I guess all I have, I guess all have a different way of healing. After 30 years, the questions of what happened on that warm night of May 5th, 1995 remains a mystery in many ways. I'm sorry, 93, sorry. And while everyone has their opinions on whether the West Memphis Three were guilty or innocent, the only person or persons who may ever know what happened to those is those that killed Christopher Byers, Stevie Branch, and Michael Moore. 
And now that Damien, Jason, and Jesse are free, maybe it's time we give the moniker of the West Memphis Three to the three victims who still cry out for justice from beyond the grave. Hmm. We did it. That's it? That's it. That's the last line of the script. That's the last line of the script. Fucking A. Yep. We survived. We did. <laughs> That's all we did yeah. was survive, but yeah. we're out of the tunnel. Yep. Back and into the sunlight. As Next week, we can talk about happy things like serial killers and, <laughs> and conspiracy tricking theories. Tricking people into believing that they saw sacrifice happen in real life. So, so I, I haven't been comfy for eight weeks. <laughs> Trust me, I'm. I was. I was done with this about three episodes ago. Yeah, and you made it farther than me. <laughs> well, you got to remember, whenever I s- plan on this, I plan on it being a three-part episode. Yeah, not eight. I literally, I think, like it was two weeks ago when I was like, I'm. I need to be done. <laughs> I wanted to fin like literally when I said that I wanted to finish that day. I yeah. was like, "That's I was done, done." <laughs> like, so thank you everybody for coming along with it. It was, it was a. It, I hate to say it, I think part of my darkness has been dealing with this series. Yeah, I, it's, it's been... fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. I, and especially... We all just yawned to relieve stress. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, how exactly. that worked. It's it, it's good to know that we're, we're through talking about it, and especially for those people who are like me, and when you listen to a podcast like this, you like to wait for something to be over before you listen to it. I hope that you enjoy (laughs) the probably 10 hours of content that we have done on this story. I bet it's more. Uh, I'll, I'll add it up uh, once, once everything's uploaded and I'll probably make a big Facebook post about, uh, I'll I'll do it right now. Did I, I hope that it ends up being a, a series that people at least enjoy hearing and learning from because it's you you put a fuck ton of work into this and i have not heard another podcast cover it as in depth or as you know one of the things that i think we bring to the table is our honesty uh, about the situation (laughs) and how affecting it is um so you know, this was just this was a wild, wild story, but it needed to be talked about. I'm just happy to go back to a title that will actually fit on the titles part of. The I know, episode. yeah, what, one that doesn't have to have an ellipsis at the end of it <laughs> or an ellipsis, yeah. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy just to go back to some crazy people. Hey, not... so you've labeled? I've just now noticed. <laughs> <laughs> You've labeled episode 58, West Memphis 3, part 5, and episode 59, 3, part 7. Fuck. I'll go in and fix it. Oh? Oh, so this was part 7. This This was part part 7. Okay. Okay, good. So, yeah, it's crazy, you know, uh, fucking a month and three weeks. Yeah, almost two months of recording just the West Memphis. Just the West Memphis 3. That's fucking wild. Don't expect another deep dive like this for a while. For a long time. I, I would like to keep them at the most, at most four episodes for a deep, yeah, deep dive. Yeah, no, I don't even think we're going to need that again for quite a while. Yeah. You know, unless... Nope, you were right. Approximately 10 hours. Wow. About 10 yep. and a half. Yep. 
Um, Half a day. I, I don't think we'll have another long series like this unless I get a wild hair up my ass and decide to fucking sit for 12 hours straight and write like a four-part series on Ed Gein. Yeah. But... Cause, what you know, do you picture when you say wild hair up my ass? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like it's like a little hair that's got like, you know, you know, cartoon arms where they're like, <laughs> like a human hair. Yeah, yeah. No, because well, that's an animal. A wild hair. Oh yeah, up your ass. Yeah, yeah. You would act. Cr- yeah, that's why. Uh, well, so anyway, it's, it's, like, it's, <laughs> I like, knew it's it. like a human I hair. I fucking knew it's it. Like a human hair, and it's got like you know when pe- it's just like black lines with an elbow, but like white gloves. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. It's got like a like a crazy like bug eyed face and wide open mouth, and it's going like woo. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. The equivalent of the cinnamon stick from the yes. Cinnamon <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> yeah, but without without a Jamaican accent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, guys. So we haven't done this in a while. Uh, if you like us, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm back to that weird vibe. I'm off my script. Do you like me? Circle yes or no. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> if you like what we do and you can, uh, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash two towns over. Uh, or is root- it TTO pod? Ooh. Fuck. It's been so long. I don't know. It should be in the description. I haven't put it in the description in a long time because we have the intro from Ruben. I think it's TT. Okay, well we have the intro then, so don't even worry about it. I know. You can you can search us on Patreon <laughs> if you man. just yeah. two search towns on over man. Google, two towns over Patreon. We have multiple tiers, including tiers that give you physical um, treats. Treats, including a Ghost Strokes backstage pass. <laughs> <laughs> What? <laughs> if just you like us, that, it means support so us hard. on Patreon. We'll give you physical treats. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the official stance of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it might take us a while to get those treats to you, but we will. Uh, speaking of which, I, by the time this episode drops, uh, some pa- of those physical treats should be. <laughs> some of those physical treats should be on your body. <laughs> Depends on when I can get to the post office. We actually, Cindy got me is has ordered a uh, those like envelopes that you can mail. That you, yeah, that you could put treats in. Yeah, this is what you say if you want no one to ever wear your product. <laughs> if if you want our treats to be on your Please. torso, it's over. <laughs> it's over, Anakin. I have the high ground, uh, but. Okay. We will have bonus content coming soon. We are soon going to be finished with our demonology course. Exactly. I'm going to make Josh watch every Keanu Reeves movie. You're not going to make me watch every Keanu Reeves movie. That we... includes Dracula with his British accent. You're goddamn right it, yeah, does, it does, Don. Fuck yeah. Oh, Fucking... and what dreams, not what dreams may come. Um, all Much Ado About Nothing. He was oh, in Much Ado About Keanu Nothing. Keanu was in that. Yeah, Keanu, Denzel, um, oh. fucking Michael Keaton. Uh, is it a rom-com it's shakespeare it's much ado about nothing oh oh hey wow yeah yeah he plays the bad guy in much ado about nothing i was thinking rom i was thinking of love actually the one that has (laughs) the other celebrities in it yeah (laughs) it was it was really funny because when he did that uh that's actually i love shakespeare he was still like in his bill and ted face he kept expecting him to go whoa Whoa. Not whoa. not like I don't love Shakespeare in like a sh- thespian way. I love Shakespeare in 
the the entertainment way. Uh-huh. I think he was really funny and also very insightful about some weird subjects in his tragedies. So yeah. I like him. Uh, it's we're we're gonna we're gonna kick off our uh, bonus Keanu cast <laughs> uh, bonus content with John Wick four, and we're probably gonna talk about uh, the series as a whole. We're not gonna go through every John Wick movie. You uh, you're not watching. Every yeah, we are. Keanu we Reeves are. Movie. Yes. We can only talk about how cool it is when he reloads the gun so many times. We we have to watch them, but we'll do an episode on the series as the okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. What I was trying to say. Sorry, bud. Because we, <laughs> we can say that shit was dope as fuck like every six seconds to each other, but it's, they don't want to hear that. We're going to try so hard not to become the Key and Peele movie theater guys. Or the, the valets. <laughs> the valets. That's, <laughs> my shit. That's my shit. But, but you know who else, though? Keanu Reeves. <laughs> but you know who else? But you know who else? Commons. <laughs> <laughs> so we have multiple tiers on our Patreon page. Um uh, starting from $2 all the way up to $20. Uh, $5 tier, you get the episodes a week early. We are getting back on track with that. Hey. Yes, we are. $10 tier, you get bonus material like what Ruben and Josh were just talking about. The $15 tier gets you a two towns over handmade, one-of-a-kind keychain. And the $20 tier gets you uh, the Ghost Strokes Backstage Pass, which as we grow will actually grant you access to very special vip only yeah we don't want to say exactly what they will be because we don't know for sure yet we have no idea but uh it's it's gonna be sometimes physical things that you will maybe like fucking have you stamp your pass or something for x number of for example the 20 dollar tier just got well is getting a exclusive Satanic Panic Two Towns Over T-shirt, as well as people who subscribed uh, for that one to month. the Patreon all of two at people. all. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> Fuck it's, it. That's a fucking two dollar T-shirt that those people are going to get because they hit the two dollar. I think one of them that joined dropped off already. So, well, you know what? That's fine. They still get a T-shirt. <laughs> no. Anyways, all that to say, thank you guys uh, for supporting us just by listening. Uh, you can also share us uh, on Facebook. Uh, and Spotify, you can rate us, Spotify, Apple. You can even comment now on Spotify. Which is rad. Which is rad. Yeah, we love that. Yeah. We we love to see the interaction too. Mm-hmm. Like we I at least I genuinely fucking love every uh especially on the episodes themselves. Uh I like I love seeing the interaction and stuff that happens on the Facebook page with the the memes that Don shares. But I especially love when people comment on the episodes themselves. It makes me very happy because i'd be having thoughts in the middle of episodes where i wish i could just say something and it'd be time stamped to when i said it (laughs) that'd be so good so anyways guys we're gonna wrap this up because we got demons to summon yeah we do and we're about to learn how to summon some motherfucking demons yep all exclusive uh on our patreon so thank you guys for listening uh fuck cancer fuck cancer fuck cancer be good to yourselves. There you go. I've been a randomly generated well, Xbox gamer tag. I've been a rambunctious marmoset, I think. And I'm Don. Thanks for coming to our town or whatever. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.